good to be in this place today. There's nothing I like better than being in his presence with people that we love. Amen. Amen. This is truly a house of prayer. And I'm thankful to be a part of something today that works. Amen. I don't know if you're on a search for the best church, but you have ended your search today. Even those online, y'all have ended it. Today is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Church, can we all stand up and give the Lord a big round of applause, letting him know that we are happy to be in the house of the Lord today. And again, we want to welcome our online audience. We count it as a privilege that you would join us today in our worship service and in our, our entire service today. We welcome you. We also welcome you, Lord. Let's welcome the Lord one more time. We welcome you, Lord. And Father, as we reach out to today to grab the hem of your garment. Lord, we are believing for healing in the house today. Sickness, you cannot stay here. Disease, viruses, you are not welcome here. Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, dementia, you have to go in the name of Jesus, right? We welcome you, Father, and we say hallelujah. Come on and put your hands together for Jesus. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Have you come ready to worship today?
Say how great it's 
There's just such a sweet presence of the Lord in this place. Uh, man, there's nothing like Jesus. I mean, this is something you can't, you can't put into words. You, you, you try to explain the presence of the Lord to people and you just begin to weep. How can you, how can you describe this? I honor the Lord for honoring us today with his presence. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I have a, a, a couple quick announcements today. Our Back to School Bash is, is quickly coming up. It's August 27th, uh, and it's from 12 to 3. We'll have food and bounce houses and, and games, and that's for uh, K to 5th grade. And then that same night, we have our uh, youth service at the old building from 5 to 7.30. As always, food will be provided, great fellowship, and our youth band will be performing for the first time that night. And I'm so excited to see what God will do through them. Amen. And we'll turn our hearts to giving at this time. If you'll say the uh, offering declaration with me, if you'll stand to your feet. Because I am a tither and a giver, the windows of heaven are open to me, and God rebukes the devourer for my sake. I am blessed financially and receive a blessing that I cannot contain. I choose to sow cheerfully and bountifully, knowing I will reap bountifully. He makes me the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. The blessings of God are chasing me and overtaking me. Because God loves to see me prosper, I am believing him for advancement, God ideas, blessings and increases, financial freedom and breakthroughs. Amen. Ushers, you may serve the people. Hello, Regeneration Nashville. I'm so happy to see you today. It is an honor to get to worship with you. How many of you were in the Elijah Co. Conference this weekend? Was it amazing? Oh my goodness, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, I'm telling you what, I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Not in these shoes, but I could do it. <laughs> oh, I'm just so happy that you're here. I've got lots and lots of wonderful things I want to tell you. Uh, first of all, I want to find out where folks are from. I just said that, where, where folks are from. <laughs> I want to find out where you're from. So I met some folks from Pennsylvania, and they're right on the front row, and I want you to stand and let, I'm going I'm to get you too, but stand up, Pennsylvania. We're so happy you're here. Isn't that great? Thank you so much for being here. Is there anybody else from Pennsylvania in the room that I, that I missed? Okay, all right, and so um, Maryland, we have Maryland in the room. Anybody from Maryland, stand and let us welcome you. Yeah, and so next to them is uh, Virginia, Williamsburg, Virginia, stand up. Isn't that great? So I want you three girls to stand. These three ladies right here, they're sisters. And so they, they rode in the car two days to get here to be in church with us this weekend. And so I told this, this lady right here, her, her husband sitting next to him, I said, I, I guess you didn't get a word in edgewise. He said, no, they just brought me along to drive. So we're so happy that you're here. God bless you. We honor you for being at Regeneration Nashville today. So I met, where? Where are you from? 
because my mind went blank. Who, who's here? Ohio. Stand up, Ohio. We're honored you're here. Amen. Hey, I want to ask anybody from Texas in the room. Is there anybody from Texas here? Stand up, Texas. We're glad you're here. Amen. Glad you're here. You're not from Texas. I'm moving you to Nashville. You're, you're home right here. Just joking. So, okay. So, uh, let me see. Okay, Florida. Is Florida here? Stand up, Florida. Let us welcome you. We're honored that you are here. God bless you. So how many of you, we'll go back to that in a minute. How many of you, the first time you saw Pastor Kent at all, the first time you became aware of him was at the return? How many of you? Just give me a shout or a clap or something. Yeah. Okay. See? So uh, Reverend Kevin Jessup, God birthed the return in his heart. And how many months did you work on that, brother? Five, oh, five years, excuse me. <laughs> he, he worked feverishly for five years to put that together, and it went around the world globally. How many countries? 180 nations. The founder of The Return is here. Stand up and let us welcome Brother Kevin Jessup and his wife, Donna. Yeah. Wow. A man of God. Yes. Praise the Lord. And uh, former Secretary of State of Florida, Katherine Harris, is with us. Stand up, Katherine Harris, and let us honor you. Isn't she beautiful? Glad that you are here. We're honored to have you. So uh, who else? Indiana. Stand up, Indiana. Let us welcome you. Is that the Hoosier? Is Indiana here? Well, all right. We got some Hoosiers in the house. We're glad you're here. God bless you. Who else are we missing? Oh, you, are you from Indiana too? Yes, you are. I know you. I'm glad you're here. Now, who else? Vancouver, Washington. Stand up, sir. Let us welcome you. Amen. Honored to have you here. Thank you. I heard Oregon. Stand up, Oregon. We're happy you're here. Okay, I heard Arizona. Arizona. Stand up, beautiful lady. Arizona. Glad you're here. Who else am I missing? Japan. Stand up, Japan. Wow. God bless you. We are so honored to have you. Welcome to Nashville. Amen. I heard someone else. Iowa. Stand up, Iowa. We're glad you're here. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I met a lady at Elijah Co. from Indonesia. Are you here today? Stand up, Indonesia. We're honored you're here. Thank you for being here. We also had someone at Elijah Co. from Australia. Is Australia here today? No. We're, we're honored that you came to Elijah Co., a beautiful man and his family, uh, all the way from Australia. So we're glad that you're here. This lady from Indonesia flew 27 hours on a flight to get here. I think that's worth a hand clap right there, don't you? <laughs> So, um, all hearts clear? Anybody else? Oklahoma. Did you say Oklahoma? All right, Oklahoma, stand up. We're honored to have you. Missouri, show me. Stand up. Yeah. Glad you're here. Anybody else? Minnesota. <laughs> Did you hear them? <laughs> They're yelling over there, Minnesota. Stand up, Minnesota. 
We're glad you're here. God bless you. Roy, what, France? Wow. Stand up, France. Polyvoo Francais. <laughs> That's how we said it in Louisiana. We're glad you're here. God bless you. Welcome to Nashville. Anybody else? North Carolina. Welcome. Stand up, North Carolina. Glad you're here. Where's everybody else from? Tennessee. Stand up, Tennessee. Let us welcome you. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, come on, shout for Jesus, Tennessee. Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. So um, I want to tell you, don't tell anybody else, okay? <laughs> Our fall conference is now open for registration. And so if you are planning to come, I want you to go online as soon as possible. Don't waste a moment because we all have already have a thousand people registered. And this building, they tell me, seats less than 3,000. So it hasn't been open for a week yet, and we're already a third full. So it is free. Um, the opening night, on Wednesday night, we have Rabbi Jonathan Kahn, and he's amazing. I'm excited. And then on Thursday night is our own Pastor Kent. On Friday night, on this platform, will be Prophet Robin Bullock, Prophet Hank Kuhneman, and our own Prophet Pastor Kent Christmas. So it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And then on Saturday morning, we're just going to turn Prophet Robin Bullock and his band loose, and they're just going to take the whole service. It's going to be amazing. They're going to rock the house for Jesus. So I want you to come. I want you to be a part. But registration has just opened. And so I'm going to predict, as it, it hasn't even been open just a few days. So I'm going to predict that by the end of the week, it's going to be closed. It's going to be full. So go ahead and register because you're my family. You're my tribe. And I want you in this room. We're going to have a glorious time. We really are. It's going to be amazing. So I want you to come. And so I just want to open it up to you. And all of our family online, our online family, our online members, we're honored. And we want you to be here too. We love you. So a special week this week. On Wednesday, August 17th. Pastor Kent and I will be married 35 years. Isn't that great? Not near long enough. Not near long enough. So also then, uh, we were married August 17th, 87. And on August 17th, 88, we were in the birthing room giving birth to Jasmine. And I, oh, let me tell you, you're going to love this. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the hospital. I'm waiting on Jasmine to get here in a matter of a few hours. I've gained 50 pounds, right? And I'm laying there like a beached whale. And we're watching my wedding video from a year before. And I'm laid up there, you know. And the nurse come in and she goes, honey, is that you on that video? 
I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, you've sure changed a lot in a year, haven't you? So be praying for us on Wednesday, August 17th. It'll be a big day for our family. And today is a big day for our family. I want my family, all of my family present. I don't, I'm not sure where Nicholas is. I want Pastor Kent to come. Jasmine and John Michael, Carrie, um, my family. Today is the day that we will dedicate Miss Mavis Blue Brady. So this is a great day for us. You want them? Well, it's been a long time since I've done this for our family. And, uh... So Jasmine said get all of our family. So she wants Lily and Amber and Crystal and Danica and, I, huh? Charlie. Is Charlie and Cash? Where's Charlie? We're just going to have a family moment. Is that okay? I tell you what, I want all of our, y'all just all come up here with us. How's that? We want, no, really, we want all of our family to come and celebrate our joy with us. Come on, Charlie, man. Amen. You think she let me hold her? She did the other day. <laughs> Hold her. Let her go. <laughs> Amen. Hey, baby doll. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm on hands on. Get her situated here. Jasmine, you and John Michael come here. Um, I know that, you know, we sometimes look at these kind of ceremonies as just a ceremony, but they're not. Um, dedications have kept a lot of kids out of hell. That what we did when they were an infant prevented them from losing out with God when they were older. And so today as the parents stand here, you're making covenant with God. You're giving back to God the seed that God gave you. And children are only what their parents make them. She is unprogrammed. And the environment that you create in your house will shape who this little girl is. If she's a praying woman, it'll be because she heard you pray. If she's a kind woman, it'll be because she experienced love in the home. If she's a good wife, it'll be because she saw her mama be a good wife. If she's kind to her husband, It'll be because she saw a father that drew kindness. And so it is a wonderful privilege to be able to have a child. There are so many couples that spend so much money on fertility drugs and all kinds of things because they want a baby and they can't have a baby. And yet God has graced you with the third one 
And not only that, she's healthy. And so as we hold this little creation of the Lord, we give thanks to God. Hallelujah. That we have a healthy baby in our family. So today we're going to give this baby back to God. And it's very interesting that when Moses was born, and the Bible says that for fear, her, his mama hit him in the bulrushes, in a little ark. And God wanted his mama to raise him. And so he orchestrated it that Pharaoh's daughter found Moses. And then Moses' sister said, you know, I know a good nurse. Turned out to be Moses' mom. And God let Moses, for the first few years of his life, live in the house. And his mama, as she raised him, she told him, she said, you're not an Egyptian. You're going to go back to the house of Pharaoh, but son, you are not an Egyptian. You're a Jew, and the hand of God is upon you. And so the influence of parents on a baby when they're young, sometimes they say, psychologists say, by the time a child is three years old, they've been pretty much shaped. And so as we stand here today, because we're giving this child back to God, God's now responsible for her. And so we're going to believe that God is going to bless Mavis Blue, and he's going to take care of her, and he's going to watch over her. So God, I pray over these parents today that, Lord, the obstacles that they will face in the future, that those inopportune moments that arise when the enemy would come to try to mark this child, that God, we declare that no weapon formed against Mavis Blue shall prosper. And God, I'm asking you that you would strengthen John Michael and Jasmine, that Lord, as they raise this baby, they would raise her in the fear of the Lord that, God, their walk with you will become contagious. Let them infect the spirit of this girl that even as an early age, Lord, she will be filled with your precious spirit. Now, Lord, we ask you to set angels around Mavis. Lord, from this moment on, that no weapon formed against her shall prosper. That, Lord, no assignment, God, will ever be successful from the enemy. And so, God, we thank you today. And, Lord, as we give her back to you and you loan her to us, we will forever, Lord, be careful to guard that which is precious in thy sight. In Jesus' name, amen.
<laughs> Makes all you want to have another baby, right? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> I would just break down and cry. I can just tell you right now. Um, several years ago, um, I'm not. What was the what was the year, Catherine? That um, you were over the Al Gore, George Bush thing. Election 2000. Um, for a couple of years before the 2000 election, especially that last year, 1999, I really began to prophesy that George Bush would be elected as president of the United States. And so, as we got closer, my wife said, are you sure? You know, are you really sure that that's going to happen? I said, I know God told me that George Bush is going to be president of the United States. And so, you know, with great eagerness, we begin to watch that evening unfold. And um, it did not look good. And then it looked worse. And then I'm sitting there, and I watched them call the election for Al Gore. And my wife said, what's happening? I said, I'm telling you what God told me, that George Bush is going to be voted in as president of the United States. And we remember they called it the hanging chad. And so t today I want to thank Catherine for bailing my prophetic ministry out. <laughs> Because it had not been for her taking the righteous stand and really suffering a lot of political persecution that would have changed. And yet God knows how to fulfill his word. So uh, honored to have you today. And of course, uh, such a privilege to have Kevin Jessup and Donna with us. And um, I'm grateful that, that you would be here and I'll call you my friends. I have a really strange message to preach. Um, this is not a shouting message, um, but in the Elijah conference, uh, I began to hear this from the Lord, and I thought, are you sure that, that you want me to talk about this? And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to read several verses. Um, this is a very profound chapter. Everybody wants to know when the Lord's coming back. This chapter pretty much earmarks it. And so, um, we can start with verse 3 of Matthew 24. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives... 
the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So it's very um, obvious that one of the signs of the coming of the Lord is that there's going to be great deception. And that's already happening. Uh, there's a great deception right now in our country. We've never been more polarized than we are right now. There is no gray. It's only black and white. And people are very, very passionate about the stance that they take. Verse 6, you shall hear of wars, rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. God wants you to live in a place that regardless of what you hear, your spirit stays calm. Because we are not subject to the powers of darkness. The devil cannot, at his own whim, walk into your life and do whatever he wants. When you read the story of Job, God never lifted his protection off of Job. He just made the fence a little tighter, and things that used to be untouchable, he allowed the enemy to touch. But he drew the line around Job's life. And he said, you will never cross over this line. He will live, and you will not take him out. And so God wants you to have peace. Over half of America is troubled with depression, clinical depression now. You would be shocked at how many could stand today in this building that have to take some kind of drug to help regulate their emotions. But Jesus said this, I am the prince of peace. Hallelujah. And in the midst of any storm that you encounter, Jesus Christ can cause you to walk in peace. I, um, I've never... I don't have health issues. I've never really had health issues. I have injury issues. <laughs> Forever breaking something, cutting something, you know, weird things. My Joshua used to say, Dad, you get the weirdest things wrong with you that I've ever seen. And so I went and had a, a full uh, physical. Linda and my wife made me go get a full physical about, I don't know, three weeks ago. And... Um, I did really well, but he came back in. He said, uh, I don't know why. He said, but you have high blood pressure. I've never had high blood pressure. But it was like, 
179 over 109. And of course, you know, that's an issue because that's how my son died. And I went to prayer, and I told the Lord, I said, I don't accept this. Hallelujah. I refuse to allow the enemy to project something on me that is not of God. You say, well, how do you do that? Because your body and my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So I've told the Holy Ghost, I said, you have a problem because there's a demon called high blood pressure that's trying to get in your house. Now do something about it. And it's went down considerably since then, but it's because we do not accept. Just because the enemy declares something over you does not mean it's the truth. Because the last time I read, the Bible says the devil is a liar and he cannot tell the truth. So anytime he declares something over your life, it is a lie because he does not want the blessing of the Lord to be upon you. Verse 7, it says, For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in many places. These are the beginning of sorrows. They shall deliver you up to be afflicted. They shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Boy, we see that right now. There is no group in the world that is more hated than Christians. Hollywood hates Christianity, but Christianity is a champion of children. Christianity is a champion of women and women's rights. Christianity, hallelujah, offers hope to homosexuals. But Hollywood champions the Muslim faith who is willing to execute homosexuals, strip women of every right that they have, and gives no rights to children. Why is that? Because the root of Christianity champions the Lord Jesus Christ who hates the devil and the devil does not want to be subservient to the power of God. So the church in this hour is the only entity that's going to defeat the powers of darkness. And that's why the Lord said you might as well get used to it. If you are a Christian, you're going to be hated of all men for my name's sake. If you are really on fire for God, Hollywood will not like you. Not too long ago, we were petitioned to um, do some kind of national program. I forget which one it was. And Burton asked me about it. I said, I'm not doing that. I said, because you don't, you, they take your dialogue and then they edit it. And then they take it out of context and you don't have any input to what they finally put out there. And I said, they're not here to interview me because they like what I'm doing. They want to discredit what we're doing. So we're going to stay away from that. That's why the Bible says abstain from the very appearance of evil. 
Verse 10, then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So in this passage of Scripture, um, the Lord says there are at least three different things that's going to cause people to stumble. One is the spirit of deception. And unless you are full of the Holy Ghost, deception is very powerful because it's cloaked with just enough truth that if people aren't discerning, it'll get you. The last part of this says another part that's going to cause people to fall is because iniquity shall abound. It's the root of sin that the love of Christians will begin to wax cold and they will lose out with God. There are many people who lost out with God, but it was a slow process. Did you know there are many people that don't go to church anymore because they got out of the habit when church shut down with the coronavirus? But the part that God put in my spirit, and I want to talk to you about this, he said, there are going to be many people who become offended. The Bible says this, a brother who is offended is harder to win back than capturing a strong city. And Jesus, in the book of Matthew, uh, let me give you the word offended. It means to see in another what you disapprove of and will, will hinder you from acknowledging their authority. It means you become displeased and indignant. Now, if you want to go over with me to the book of John very quickly, I want to read you something out of John, the sixth chapter. Starting with verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever or whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. I will raise him up at the last days. Verse 60. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? It doesn't say, many, therefore, that were religious Jews or Pharisees or scribes. It says his disciples, they were in love with Jesus. They followed Jesus. They liked his teachings. But one day Jesus came up with a teaching that just mess with them. He said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, he said, you can't have any part with me. And they looked at one another. They said, this is a hard saying. I don't like what he's saying. And down in the verse 66, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back 
and they walked with him no more. Don't ever underestimate the power of offense. And I can tell you this, walking with Jesus is going to cause you at times to be able to buckle down and tell the Lord, I don't like this and I don't understand it, but I know that you love me and I will not walk away. And as they begin to walk away from Jesus because they could not endure sound doctrine, Jesus looked at his disciples, he said, y'all leaving too? Peter said, Lord, we ain't going anywhere because we don't have anywhere else to go. Yet Peter did not understand the power of offense because a few years later, he's standing by the fire of the enemies of Jesus. Be careful whose fire you warm yourself with. Because the fire that you warm yourself at is the ones that you will make covenant with when you're under pressure. And as he stood there that day and he began to watch what happened to Jesus. See, we have been a generation, a Christian movement that everything about Jesus is love and acceptance and we just have a good time and we look good in church and Pastor Kent's dressed real nice and everything is really good. But can I tell you that there are some bloody moments in serving the Lord when things don't go right and you can't understand understand God and when you read the word of the Lord challenges you with something everything in your flesh says I don't like this it's at that moment you have to make a choice because Jesus said this he said offenses are coming they are coming you have to choose not to be offended because the longer you serve the Lord, the more you will find out that God will mess with your theology about him. That all of us form this paradigm of how we think God should act. And then in a moment, God steps outside the box of how we think God should do things. And it is offensive. Because... The root of our relationship with the Lord is that we believe that God can do anything. We also believe that there is no need in our life that God cannot meet. And there is no problem that we will ever encounter that God does not have a solution for. And so there are moments when something happens in your life that you expect God to fix. When Josh died, I had to choose not to be offended. I had a, yesterday, we went into Kroger's yesterday evening, and a precious lady approached us, and she said, I go to Cornerstone. And she said, 
I lost my son 15 years old, six years ago. And she said, I wanted to tell you how sorry I am for your loss. And then she started crying. She said, but it will get better. God's ways are not our ways. And I'm telling you, this is a rhema word to somebody. But the opportunity to be offended at God will come. When I watched my dad lay in a coffin at the age of 38, and I was just a boy, it took me a long time to try to figure out why God would let that happen. I found myself in divorce court, and I couldn't understand why God would let that happen. But can I tell you, it's in those moments that you show your love for Jesus. When he doesn't explain himself, when he doesn't come give you a prophetic word, you just tell the Lord, I don't know why you didn't fix this because I know you could fix it. I don't know why you let it happen in the first place. But your ways are not my ways, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. And so, Lord, we're going to kick this into a different realm where I don't know why and I don't know how, but I know this. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And there are times, and right now, the Lord has declared us prophetically in the word. He said, you're coming into a season in the church that a whole lot of people are going to start getting offended at Jesus because they don't like some of the things that he stands for and some of the things that he declares. And I read to you that offense will make you rebel against the authority that is over you. Whenever you become offended at someone, one of the first things that happens is the enemy sends you people that are also offended at them. And they run together. And whatever's the enemy of Christ, if offense gets a hold of you, they're coming. And a good example is the Bible said that Herod and Pilate hated each other until the day that Jesus is being crucified. And Pilate, the Bible said, became friends with Herod over how they dealt with the Lord Jesus. There's a portion of, of Scripture here I want to read to you Matthew chapter 15, and reading um, 
make sure I have this. Jesus is speaking in the first part of this chapter, and he said, you people honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And then in verse 7, he just, you know, he just got really tough. I can promise you this. If Jesus would have preached what modern preachers are preaching today, he'd have never been crucified. And he looked at me and said, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. He was speaking to religious leaders. And he said, you know what? He said, you're a bunch of hypocrites. And then he went further. He said, you're a bunch of snakes. And his disciples came to him in verse 12, and they said this. Don't you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? There are times that God is going to make adjustments in your life. And human beings don't like correction. None of us do. But correction is one of the most ample opportunities for the enemy to get in your life and cause you to be offended at God. And a beautiful example of this is when Mary comes in and breaks the alabaster box and begins to worship Jesus through that act of washing his feet and drying them with her hair. And then you've got the oldest disciple named Judas standing there, and he looked at that, he said, what a waste. What the world calls waste is what Jesus calls worship. And he, Jesus turned and he looked at Judas and he said, leave her alone because generations will talk about what she's done today. And because Judas had pride issues, he became offended and the offense set up in him, though he didn't realize it, the ability to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when, this is the trick of the enemy. The enemy will suck you into doing something that seems so palatable that you want so much. And the moment that he gets you, then he opens your eyes and he lets you see what he just did to you. And when Judas realized what he had done, the money didn't matter anymore. And he throws it on the ground and he says, I have betrayed innocent blood. But because of his offense, he could not restore his relationship with the Lord. And he committed suicide. And the Bible said his bowels gushed out. You have to make sure 
that there is nothing in your life that can ever drive a wedge between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't ma- it doesn't matter if your children die in a car wreck. God is still God and he knows what he's doing. It doesn't matter if you lose your job, if your marriage blows up. It doesn't matter if you die in a cancer. At the end of the day, he's still God and he knows what he's doing and on judgment day when God looks at you and said this is why you will say oh I am so glad that I did not throw in the towel but I stood on the rock of ages and I declare though he slay me yet will I trust him I truly believe that one of the reasons God has delayed answering some of our desires and our prayers in this nation. He wants to know who loves me. With all the projections of digital currency and everything that that regime is doing that they say will be better will cost you personal freedoms. See, you have to be able to serve God in difficult times, not just in good times. The existing church in America does not know what persecution is. I mean, if if you reprimand somebody because they're only going to church once a month, they become offended. But the Word of God is profitable for correction instruction in righteousness, doctrine and reproof. Your vision, your paradigm has to become subservient to God's. At the end of the day, I am responsible for protecting the vision of this house. And in pastoring, especially as you grow more, I I remember I did a meeting with a very precious brother, and he was kind of like us. It was maybe in the 80s. They had run like 150, and he said, all all of a sudden, he said, the roof blew off, and we just took off. He said, within a year, we were running almost 5,000 people. He said, the problem was we had so many people join themselves to us that did not have our vision. And he said, I did not deal with some things that I should have dealt with. And he said, it basically destroyed our church. Can I tell you, you don't get to start a church in our church. I know you think I'm a nice guy, but you start messing with this house and a different side of me is going to show up because I stand in defense of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I, you know, we had people calling in, do you have a section for flag waivers? No, we don't. I had no problem with churches that like flag waivers, but that's not who we are. We don't have a section for shofars. 
Why? Because that's not our identity. Does it mean a shofar is bad? No. But it just simply means it does not fit in with the identity of this church. I am a prophet, but we don't prophesy to everybody all the time in this house. I will deal with anything where people begin to prophesy without it being judged and not being under the covering of this house. If this house is going to be a safe house, it's because we have to stand and protect the government of this house. Hallelujah. We are not going to be a weird church. We're not going to be a strange church. We're going to be a balanced church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And if we're going to change the world, it'll be because of the anointing and the power and the utterance of the Spirit of God that is rock solid on the Word of the Lord. I've seen too many people have a prophetic word given to them that you're called to be a missionary. Probably if, if you're under my shepherd mental, if you're called to be a missionary, God probably needs me to tell you that. Or you're called a five-fold ministry or you're supposed to marry this person or God's telling you you're supposed to move to this state. God doesn't do that with laity to laity. And yet we honor the gift of prophecy that's in people. Just judge it. Hallelujah. Coming to somebody and saying, coming to leadership and saying, I have a word. Can, can I give it? Will you judge it? Let's do that. My point of all of this is many people become offended when authority is implemented. You can't run rogue with God. If you really want to serve the Lord, you have to yield to authority. Go back and read Corinthians. He says, the man is the head of the woman. I didn't write that. Christ is the head of the man. And God is the head of the church. This is why, boy, I'm digging deep here today. This is why democratic government in churches doesn't work. You can't run a church like democratic government in the United States. And part of the reason that the United States is in the mess that it's in, is there never was supposed to be separation of church and state. Israel is a type of the church. The priesthood was the government. There was no government outside of the laws of God. And whenever you put seven men inside of a house and they run the church and the preacher just preaches, all you have is a hireling and there is no divine protection in the house. At the end of the day, the buck stops right here. Hallelujah. I am responsible to God for what the Lord does in the house. 
So when you begin to deal with order, it's one of the facets that offense comes in. It doesn't say a sinner that's easily offended. It says a brother that's easily offended. I have thought about this, and I've told the Lord, I said, I don't want to be an offense to you. I don't want you to be offended with me. And yet, he's talking about his destiny, Jesus is. And he said, I am going to be killed. He said, they're going to lay hands on me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to crucify me. And they said, the third day I will be raised. Peter said, I just tell you right now, buddy, that ain't going to happen. He challenged Jesus. Jesus wheeled and looked at him. He said, get behind me, Satan. Now, there's a chance to get offended when in front of your peers, the Lord just calls you the devil. Why did he call him Satan? He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, because you don't savor the things that be of God. Some of the people that get offended the most are ones that try to walk in a calling that God never called them to. They called themselves to it. If you are in five-fold ministry, you are going to be able to remember the moment that God called you into that. It's not, well, I'm not sure when it happened. I just kind of begin to feel a little bit, you know, and just kind of, no, it, boom. I can tell you the day I was called to preach, and I can tell you the moment that I knew that I had the gift of prophecy. Both of them were undeniable. And in this, in this season, here, here's what's really dangerous about getting offended. When you get offended, it's really hard to get unoffended. The hardest people to try to help is like a minister, for example, that has messed up. Or, and you go to them, you know, and, and they know they've messed up. And you start talking to them, and you start telling them scriptures and all that, and they go, I've said this same thing my whole life to other people. You're not telling me anything I don't know but you can't get through to them. When the enemy, let's go back for a moment. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Churches split all the time because of offense between leadership that they come to an impasse 
you have to learn to disagree and still be in covenant. Hallelujah. The moment that Pentecostals start believing that all the Baptists are going to hell because they don't speak in tongues, you might not make it yourself. Because I don't find anywhere where speaking in tongues is a requirement to go to heaven. The Bible says it is a gift. But there are some requirements. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Hallelujah. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But the very first time in the scriptures that we ever come across the entity of Satan, the very first mention of him is out of his mouth, he is accusing God of saying something he did not say. Has not God said, this is what he said to Eve, has not God said you may not eat of any of the trees of the garden? And Eve says, no, you're wrong. He said we only cannot eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The enemy is always going to accuse the Lord. And when the enemy will bring accusation to you against the Lord, you have to immediately tell the devil, I am not listening to this because the moment you entertain it, you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of evil and it messes your life up. I don't know everything about God. In fact, I don't hardly know anything about God. But I know this, he cannot lie and he will come through in the midnight hour. And it doesn't matter what happens to you in this life the moment you take your last breath and you cross over into eternity all is well with you forever in the presence of the Lord people that allow the enemy to bring offense to them The first thing that happens when they embrace that and it settles is they begin to manifest a fruit called bitterness. And there's nothing worse than getting around a Christian who has become offended at God because their conversation is nothing but a stream of bitterness. It's not enough for them to be offended. The scripture says in Hebrews, bitter people defile everybody around them with the same spirit. That's what you got to do, like Barney Five says, you got to nip it in the butt. <laughs> because it's a lot easier to get delivered from pornography than it is offense. It's not the outward sins of the flesh that mess everybody up. It's the inward sins. The Lord said that. He said, when he called him hypocrites, he said, it's not what goes out of a man that defiles him. He said, but it's what comes out of his heart. And the sins that are going to fill hell up are going to be so many people that call themselves Christians but they got offended at the Lord. 
you're going to have multiple opportunities to become offended at Jesus. Because he's gonna, he, he does require of you things that sometimes go against our nature. And I remember, <clears throat> I have strong beliefs about how the Lord does things. And I know that you do too. And um, my wife and I, we, we, uh, we, we went for a year and a half where we gave 50% of everything that we made to the Lord in tithes and offerings. And um, <clears throat> I mean, it was, it was, I thought it would be easy. It was one of the most difficult seasons of our life. Uh, house was getting ready to be repossessed. We had our electricity shut off twice. We had our phone shut off. We were so broke that we couldn't go buy groceries. And um, just the multiple things that, that we experienced in that time. <clears throat> but we were, we were believing in that time that God was going to give us a better house. We really believed it. I mean, I would tell the Lord, I said, you said you give us houses that we did not build. And, and at that time, I was in a house that um, it was just a mess. I found two snakes in that house. So we'd come in off the road, you know, and I'm just so full of apprehension. I'm afraid to put my feet down in the sheets at 2 in the morning because I'm thinking, what's down there in the sheets? And, you know, you're walking down a hall, and you see a belt on the floor, and you're thinking, my God, there's another snake in the house. How many have been there, though? You, you, you walk it wherever God has you financially. And you learn. Hallelujah. You learn to still love Jesus in the valley. If all Jesus means to us is blessings, I do my own laundry. My wife's busy. She don't wash my car. In fact, she don't cook anymore. <laughs> She's a magnificent cook. She, don't want Barrett, she doesn't watch Barrett Jackson auction with me, and she will not watch building off the grid with me. But my love for her is not based on things that you might want her to do. It's based on my fellowship and the relationship that her and I have. We have too many believers who base their walk with God on what have you done for me lately? You know, and you take these scriptures that says that God will exceedingly abundantly above all. You know, he's going to bless you. And we quote that up there, you know, and we're not, he makes us the head and not the tail and the blessings of God. Are, and, I, and I believe all that. And I've seen that begin to happen in my life. But you can go years and that doesn't work. But all oh, when the Lord can hear you on your knees in great need and still say, I just love you so much, Lord. 
I thank you for how you blessed my life. I thank you how you kept me. I thank you, Lord, that in this great season of pain, you've held my hand and you've walked me through. Jesus just looks over at Michael. He says, I'm doing everything I can just not to go down there and give them everything they want. Love. And we, we really, we, we drove every inch of the lake, Old Hickory Lake, over the last, what, 30 years probably. I mean, from Mount Juliet to Gallatin to Hendersonville. And, uh, we, you know, we always wanted a house on the lake. Still don't live on the lake. <clears throat> but, you know, you, you, you have dreams and you look on the Internet at Realtor.com and all that kind of stuff. And my wife said, look at this house, you know. And so we'd get a Starbucks coffee on Saturday morning. We'd, we'd find that house. And we'd look in front of it. And we'd just talk about, man, we could do that right there. I wonder what that looks like on the inside. And we actually had a friend that was a realtor one time. And um, there was a house for $12.5 million dollars. We always looked like we had money, but we didn't have any money. <laughs> and so we talked to him in and said, why don't you set up a time we can go look at that house? Well, we didn't know the builder was going to be there. So we walk in, you know, and we're dressed real good. And, and uh, we're walking around, you know, and... You know, I'm saying, you know, I don't know about this. I don't really like that part right there. <clears throat> Y'all never come back to church again after I get done today, are you? <laughs> but we believed that God was going to do something. That, that contractor was so convinced we were going to buy that house, he kissed my wife on the cheek. <laughs> So we, we found a place that we really believed that God was going to give us. And we would drive by that place. I mean, I, I felt my, well I, well, I told her, I said, I believe that that's our place. And I remember um, one day we drove by and the sign was down and people were moving in. And it really messed with me. And I found myself for about three days, I couldn't pray. I, you know, I just felt like, God, you should have done that. I mean, the house act eventually auctioned off for $550,000 in an absolute auction, and, and it was worth like $4 million. It was on the lake. And what I found was that over my lifetime, when I really had difficult seasons, the way I could get through it was, I would go to my best friend, Jesus. I'd say, Lord, I just need you to pick me up and carry me for a while because I'm having a difficult time. And the Lord would just, you know, he'd just embrace you and hold you and help you get through that. But what do you do when you're mad at your best friend? Who do you talk to? I still walk the same part, but I just didn't know what to do. 
till finally I stole the Lord. I said, okay, I don't understand you, but I can't be here anymore. I need you to forgive me for being mad at you. Today, God has blessed me beyond my wildest dreams, but it no longer matters. Hallelujah. It's the relationship that I have with the Lord. Some of you have went through horrible divorces. Some of you have went through extended seasons of pain in your body. Some of you have buried children. Some of you have lost businesses. Some of you have had to scale down from your dream home into an apartment. Those of you that I'm talking to around the world that are listening to me, some of you are living in lockdown countries. Some of you haven't been able to go to church for over two years. Some of you have lost your jobs because you wouldn't take a shot. Some of you, the businesses drove your business into bankruptcy, and you were a believer. Don't get offended at God. Because there are just seasons to where God is not going to explain himself. And I, I, will, I will end with this. <clears throat> There are times in your life when you are doing the best that you can for the Lord. You're even maybe walking in some sacrifice. And then God will take a turn on you. And you think, it shouldn't have happened, Lord. I'm pleasing to you. And that happened to John the Baptist. And John, you know, the Bible said he was the forerunner of Christ. This guy didn't get to grow up like a normal kid. Thank you. When I cry, my nose runs. Even as a child, you know, they're all coming to school uniforms, and here comes John with little gopher pants on. <laughs> and he was a Nazarite, so he had a different requirement on him. He grew up different from everybody else. And then he has this call of God on his life, and, and he doesn't fit in with everybody, and, and I'm sure people made fun of him, but... He was born to be the forerunner of Jesus. And you know what? He did it well. He did it well. There's no mention in the scripture where John ever messed up. He preached a tough message. The Bible said he was a burning and shining light. And they would come, and he'd look at me and said, 
show me some fruit of repentance. He preached a tough word. And he said, I have come to prepare the way for the Lord. And he dug deep. And now here he is in his 30s. His ministry has blossomed. He's, he's ministering to thousands of people. And then because of what he spoke against a Jezebel spirit and adultery, he got arrested. He's sitting in prison, and he's probably thinking, he's going to come get me out because I'm pleasing to him, and he needs me because I'm the forerunner of his ministry. And as he languished in prison, he began to question his calling. He began to wonder, did I do all this for, for nothing? So one day, you know, his disciples came to visit him in jail, and they could tell John was really down. I said, John, how you doing? He goes, I'm struggling. He said, I don't know if I so I don't know if my ministry was right. He said, I, I don't know if Jesus was the one. I'm I'm dealing with confusion. <clears throat> and the disciples left and they went and found Jesus. They looked at Jesus, and they said, John needs you. He needs a word. He's, he's struggling. He wants to know, are you the one? And Jesus looked at him, and he said, go back and tell John that, ma'am, my ministry's exploding. The dead are being raised. The lepers are being cleansed. Eyes are being opened. And see, John had never done any miracles. God limited his ministry. That he didn't move in the miraculous. He just gets this messy ministry of repentance. And these guys are listening to Jesus, and they're thinking, how in the world is that supposed to help him? That's going to make him feel worse. And they turn away, and they start to walk off, and Jesus said, hold on a minute. He said, tell John this. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. Why was Jesus saying that? Because he realized John was in a critical moment that the spirit of offense was trying to get a hold of him and make him turn on his cousin. But more than that, the one that he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. And they walked away. And when they got out of earshot, Jesus looked at me and said, Let me tell you guys something. There has never ever been a greater prophet than John the Baptist. I'm thinking, that would have really been nice for you to just go tell him that yourself. John could have stood on his head 
and walk that thing out. But God chose not to tell him that. You don't know how much God is for you. You don't know how much for God so loved the world. And all the times that you and I have sobbed in pain and sat in such horrible disappointment and wondered, does the word work? And wonder, God, do you even know I'm alive? Your father was hovering over you. Hallelujah. Saying, hang in there. It's going to be all right. Don't give up. Don't get offended in me. Don't throw in the towel because I am your greatest hope. Can I tell you today, this is a word for somebody. Look the devil in the eye and say, I will not turn on the Lord. I will not throw in the towel. I will not indict God. But with my last breath of my body, I will declare the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me to lie down and green pastures and he restores my soul. Don't think, stand with me, don't ever think. Stand with me, I'm almost done. Don't ever think that there cannot be a moment arise in your life that can make you offended at God. And the reason is, is because we know God can fix anything. And when he doesn't, it's like you have, you, you, uh, you have, most of us don't have wealthy friends, all right? So, if, let, let's say, you know, you've got a circle of four or five couples and they're all your good friends and they all work regular jobs and you get laid off and it looks like your house is going to be repossessed. You don't get mad at those friends because they don't bail you out financially because you know they can't. But then there's times where you might have wealthy friends and you know they know about your need, but they don't intervene then you start feeling bad towards them because they didn't come in and bail you out. But that relationship wasn't based on the fact they have money. It was based on fellowship. Your relationship with God cannot be based on His ability to extricate you from problems. Your relationship with God has to be based on the fact y'all love each other. Hallelujah. The only thing that will ever destroy offense is love. Love conquers all things. Now there is faith, there is hope, and there is love. But the greatest of it's not faith or hope. It's love.
How many of you right now have something going on in your life that you know God could fix and you need him to fix it, but he hasn't done it yet? Raise your hand. That's almost this whole building. What do we do if he doesn't? There are, this is what I found out about the Lord. When I became single again, and you know, I didn't have a church, I wasn't married, didn't have my son, and I was dead broke, <clears throat> wound up, you know, in a very difficult time. I remember one night uh, walking down Dickerson Road and I really believe this was my key turning point. I hurt so bad I didn't know how to function. And I remember standing in, I looked up and I was standing in front of a, uh, a nightclub and I had some money in my pocket. And I remember the devil said, why don't you just go in there and get drunk and throw in the towel. And that was a starry night. <clears throat> and I stood on the side of Dickerson Road and I looked up at the stars. And I told this to the Lord. I said, you didn't do this to me, and I'm not going to leave you. And from that moment on, I believe that God forever sealed my future. And what it did was <clears throat> my love for the Lord in that season where God really took a long time to fix it, I found a side of Jesus that I'd never found before, even though I've been preaching for 15 years. I found a side of the Lord that I had never needed. And in that time is when God birthed into me the prophetic. You come out of this with love in your soul. And I'm telling you, God's going to put something back in you that is amazing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just slip up your hands. Just take a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are in very difficult places. My prayer partners, why don't you come on? I think that this would be a wonderful time for the Spirit of the Lord to minister. If you're a prayer partner, you can come stand across the front. tell you and you probably would say the same thing how many people that you and I can think of that don't serve the Lord anymore or don't go to church because 
They allowed the enemy to drive a wedge between them and the Lord. We want to be successful in God. I want to be a good pastor. I want to see God do great things in the earth prophetically, but at the end of the day, what we want the most, I just need to be able to look the Lord in the eyes and say, I'm glad you're home. You did a good job, and I'm proud of you. And then whatever God has for me in heaven, that's just icing on the cake. But just to know, sometimes I will ask the Lord this in prayer. I'll say, are me and you all right? I need to know that. That's why David said, oh, create within me a clean heart, oh God. Take not thy spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Today, if you're in a difficult place, in a place maybe of uncertainty or you're not sure what's going on, but you and Jesus just, you need an embrace. Why don't you come quickly and find a prayer partner? before we all come and let one of these brothers or sisters stand with you in prayer and minister to you. Thank you, Jesus. Such a real sweet ministering spirit here today. Hallelujah.
Linda, and she has cancer up in your eye, right? Amen. All right. Well, let's have God do a miracle today in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord, God over Linda's body, God, we rebuke the spirit of cancer. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that right now this cancer has to leave her body according to your word, Lord. According to your word, she's healed. Cancer, leave in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, 2020 vision, eye ducts are fine. Hallelujah, Lord. That God, there is no spirit of cancer in her. We call it done in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What's his name? Marvin. Marvin. Inoperable blame bleed. Amen. Marvin, is that right? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Baba Sunday. Now, Lord, I speak God to this brain bleed in the name of the Lord. I command it to dry up in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I bind the spirit of death off of you, Marvin. In the name of the Lord, and oh God, this devouring spirit that has come against his body, Lord, from this day on, hallelujah, this moment right now, oh, the hand of the Lord reach in, God, to his neck, God, into his brain, that, Lord, we declare it gone that Lord it's normal it's healed it's whole and Lord that he will be alive at the sounding of the trumpet Lord we call it done we curse the spirit of death in the name of Jesus hallelujah and we call him healed in the name of the Lord hallelujah hallelujah pastor this is Lori Ohio diabetes facial palsy a result from COVID all right in her face amen Lois Lois. Her name is Lori. Lori. Ohio. All right, Lori. You ready for the Lord to touch you? Hallelujah. You believe Jesus heals? <laughs> Amen. Now, Lord, I thank you. Oh, God, this is nothing for you. Lord, in this very moment, hallelujah. Lord, just we come into agreement with you that God, she is healed according to the word of the Lord. God, all of this paralysis is gone. Lord, everything else is rectified by the power of the Lord. That oh, in the morning, God, she will say, oh, I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. 
God, I praise you now. Lord, we thank you for the supernatural performance of thy word, God, upon Lori's life, upon her body. And Lord, we receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pastor, this is Arabella, and they are from Minnesota. And she has a heart defect, missing kidney, and she has developmental delays. All right, so missing. Her, missing. Missing kidney, uh-huh. um, heart defect, development right, delays issue, in right. her body. And what's her name? Her name is Arabella. Arabella. Amen. Well, we just need God to do a creative miracle, don't we? Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. In the name of the Lord, God, I speak to Arabella. Now, Lord, finish the creative process. Oh, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. God, we declare that the creative power of the Lord is loosened her. God, form this other kidney. Hallelujah, God, declare it in the name of the Lord that she is healed, that Lord God fully restored God in her ability, her cognitive ability, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I thank you right now that the enemy, Lord, oh yes, hallelujah. Every assignment of the enemy that's come against this child, I call in the name of the Lord, you leave in the name of Jesus. God, this mocking spirit, I cast it out in the name of the Lord. And God, we declare that this is a healthy baby, a whole baby. God, that she's completely healed and normal to bring much joy to her parents. That today, Lord, we will look back and say, the Lord did a miracle in this house in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sing that to me, he is so wonderful again. To me, he is so First of all, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. I tell you, I feel the love of Jesus Christ flowing through this room. I feel the love of Jesus being poured out. I want every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. I just feel the sweetness of Jesus 
then I have to believe that in a room this size with as many people as we have, there's one that doesn't know Jesus. That's just not sure. Just not sure of where you stand with Christ. And I want to give you the opportunity to leave here today with the blessed assurance that Jesus Christ is yours and that you are his. So if that's you today, I want you to just slip your hand up and say, pray for me right where I am. Just pray for me. Pastor Candy, I just want to be sure. Just pray for me. Slip your hand up and slip it back down so that I can see where you are. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Yes, I see. Anybody else? Anybody else up in the balcony even? Anybody? Jesus loves you. If you're online today, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And right where you are, you can receive Jesus as your personal Savior. So I want everyone under the sound of my voice, front to back and side to side, we're going to say this prayer together, okay? Repeat this after me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died on a cross and He rose again, that I could have eternal life. So Lord, would you come into my heart? Would you wash me in your precious blood? Forgive me of all of my sins. I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. Why don't you just give Jesus Christ the greatest hand clap of the day. Come on, church. Jesus is here. Come on. If you have a prayer language, just release your prayer language. I believe God's not finished yet. Come on. Holy Spirit, saturate your people, oh God. Lord, break every yoke of bondage. God, destroy, Lord, every offense, Lord, that has come against your people. Grind it to powder. God, we plead the blood of Jesus for your people today. No weapon formed. Formed against your people shall prosper. Come on, release your spirit. God's doing something right now. There are yokes being broken. Yokes of unforgiveness. Yokes of heaviness. Yokes of darkness. Yokes of bondage. Robocota. Woo! Come on, somebody give him a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on now, just thank Him that it's done. Thank Him that it's done. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that it's done in Jesus' name. I see hearts being healed. 
today. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, if I told you how good it's going to believe me, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't be able to accept it. God says you're going to be amazed. You're going to be astonished. You're going to stand and laugh and say, only God could have done this thing. Hallelujah to God. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Lord, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you thanks. Just stand and receive it. Just receive it now. Just receive it. God is so good. He loves you so much. I just want you to know how much our family loves you. Pastor Ken and I love you. I want to pray on you and I'll send you out blessed, okay? Father, bless your people. Strengthen us, God, for the journey. God, we got a long ways to go. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your peace and your mercy. God, saturating your people right now. Lord, I ask you that you would go before them, Lord, and fight the battles that they face in life. God, send your angels before them as you did Israel when Israel was young. Fight their battle, destroy their foe. And Lord, send them out rejoicing, God, as a calf let out of the stall. And Lord, we just give you thanks for all you're doing in this hour, in this church, in the earth, and in our lives. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about KCM International or Regeneration Nashville, go to KentChristmas.org or RegenerationNashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.